years old, uh, I was uh, going to church at a church in Benton. I got saved when I was about 18, and I was 19 years old, and some people from our church had a get-together, and they had some high school students and uh, maybe some students that just graduated in the last year or two over at the house, and uh, there were probably 10 or 15 of us over there, and, and uh, when in the midst of you know, just hanging out or whatever. Uh, I got challenged by two, uh, two 10th grade basketball students who told me that they could beat me in basketball. And I said, well, I could beat you both. And uh, so at the same time, and, and so, well, that, that got them fired up. And so we went out to the, to the backyard. They had a little court out there. And, uh, and I put a whooping on them, okay? I'm just going to tell you, I won. Uh, it was kind of close because there were two of them, uh, but I remember I won that game, and, and boy, I was proud of myself. After all that had happened, and some of us began to go and walk out the back of the house. Now, this was nighttime, okay? This was nighttime. I remember we were walking, we were walking around in the backyard, and I was telling these two people, I was telling them how I had beat them. Did I tell you, by the way, it was two girls? I beat two girls, okay? <laughs> Now, they were high starters for a high school basketball team, but I put a whooping on them with their ball, okay? Now, if you play basketball, you understand it because they're like, well, my coach says I can't shoot with a real ball. I have, we have to use the girl ball. And I was like, whatever, bring it. I was just giving them a hard time, and, and, and then it happened. One moment, I was just walking, and, and I was telling them about, you know, how I took them to school, and the wheels on the bus go round and round, and all of that stuff. When one second I'm saying that, and the next second, splash, I'm submerged in water, okay? And, and, and what happened was I fell in the pool, okay? It was, and, and they did not push me, okay? We were walking. I saw this big sort of light-colored area. It looked like a, like a concrete pad, like Corey was talking about. It looked like in the dark. It was real dark, and it looked like a concrete pad, and... They assumed that I saw it. They assumed, uh, you know, I'm sure probably they didn't really think this, but in the back of their mind they would have thought, he's not stupid enough to step into that pool. But yes, I was, okay? I was dumb enough to do it because I was so focused on bragging and, you know, just, just kind of messing with them, but I was so focused on that. Now, listen, I, I was okay. Nothing was hurt. My ego was bruised a little bit. I felt a little silly, but... But everything was okay. And so, uh, you know, as I was thinking about that, I, I was thinking about how, how life is kind of like that. You know, if you're not paying attention, really close attention to what you're doing, you know, you can make the wrong step. And, and if you're lucky, that wrong step, you, you might just fall in the pool. You know, you may just get a little wet. You may embarrass yourself a little bit and be able to get up and dry off and go on down the road. But... A lot of times, a lot of times in life when we misstep, sometimes we don't just fall in the pool. Sometimes we step on a landmine. And sometimes there could be damage caused that could be long-lasting, that may last for years, that it may not only affect us and ourselves, but the people around us and the people uh, that we love and the people that we know. And so... Uh, so as we're going to look at, at this passage here in Ephesians 5, uh, this morning we're going to look at verses 15 and 16, and, and we're going to look at this passage where Paul, 
for the seventh time in the book of Ephesians, the seventh time in this one book, tells us how to walk. Now remember, when he talks about walking, he's talking about how you live. Walking is just an analogy. He's saying, be careful how you live. And as he does this here in Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16, he tells us to walk or to live carefully. So let's look at this here, Ephesians 5, just 15 and 16. Paul says, pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Father, we are thankful, Father, to be in your presence here today. We're thankful for the word of God, Father, that, uh, that guides us and directs us, Father, that, that your instruction book for us, and Father, that defines how we should live our lives, how we should love people, Father, how we should be imitators of Christ in all that we do. And we pray that you would draw us closer unto thee today. In Jesus' name, amen. So what does it mean? To walk carefully. What does that mean? What is he talking about when he says to walk carefully? First thing I believe he's talking about, he's telling us to, to be aware. It means to be aware. Pay careful attention then to how you walk. Now, the King James uses a very unique word that is very unique. Uh, you don't hear it uh, uh, commonly used except for a lot of times when people uh, uh, quote this passage. It says to walk circumspectly. Walk circumspectly, okay? That comes, those two words put together. Circum, which is like circumference all around. Spect is what we see. So Paul is saying, and King James translates it uh, in the Old English to say, be sure that you are looking all around as you walk through this life, as you live your life. Pay attention. Don't pay attention to just what's right in front of you. Pay attention to everything that is around you. He's saying, look before you leap. Be aware. Look all around. Why? Why would Paul say that? Now, some people would go to this passage and they would say, see, now look, Paul is warning Christians against losing their salvation. Some people would say, see, you Christians, you better watch out because if you mess up, you're going to lose that salvation that Jesus gave to you. Now, I don't believe that's what Paul is talking about here because for many reasons, but a, a couple of which is, number one, if that's the case, then our salvation is a salvation of works. If salvation is something that you can lose, then it is something that you are able to retain by your own power and and uh, 1 Peter 1 tells us that salvation is held in heaven by God's power, not our power. And so, uh, so salvation doesn't depend on you or me. It depends upon the, uh, the grace and the love and the mercy of God. It's God that saves us, okay? It's not, it's not you or I that saves us. God is the one that offers salvation. And when, when you're saved, God is the one that does salvation, okay? Now, you and I, we may have a, uh, a, a, a choice whether or not we are going to submit ourselves to the will of God or we're going to continue to walk in rebellion. But when God saves us and when we're saved, it is all God and not us. And so, therefore, we have no part of our salvation in, in that fashion. Salvation is not something you can lose. 
And, and if Paul is talking about losing your salvation in this passage, then number one, this, that he not only contradicts other God-breathed scripture that has no contradiction is imperfect and is perfect, but also Paul even contradicts himself in this very same book because it was in Ephesians 2 that we were told that it is by the grace of God that we are saved and that we're saved by faith right faith in Christ and that faith is not by works so that no one can boast right and so we understand that you can't be saved by works it's by faith alone so what's Paul talking about here if he's not if he's not warning us that that we could lose our salvation what is he saying he's saying he's saying be aware not not because you might lose your salvation but but hey Christians be aware because there is an enemy out there that hates you. There is an enemy out there that, that he is not only the enemy of God, but he is the enemy of humanity. And he hates you, and he hates your family, and he hates relationships and lives and homes that, uh, that are dedicated to walking with Christ. He hates lives and relationships and homes that glorify God. And he will do anything to divert your attention from God. He will confuse you. He will use your insecurities, your fears, and your emotions to deceive you and to lead you in the wrong direction. You say, well, 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 well that sounds extreme, Pastor. Uh, you know, that's, you know, you were talking about the devil. Yes, this scripture talks about the devil and about the deceptions of the enemy. 1 Peter 5 8. Peter says, be serious or be sober, be sober minded, be serious, be alert. For your adversary, the devil, is prowling like a lion looking for anyone, anyone he can devour. You see, a lion is a, is a, well, okay, <laughs> uh, a lion is a hunter. Those of you that hunt, you understand what it means to be a hunter. You hunt a prey. That's why you wear camouflage. That's why you spray stuff on you that the deer wants to smell. That's why you use those little uh, calls, you know, the buck calls. And if you're, if you're uh, duck hunting, you use the duck calls. You, that's why you do that. Because, because as a hunter, what you're trying to do is confuse the prey enough to get it out into the open so that you can harvest the meat. Okay? If you get that clear shot... When you got something to bring to Beast Feast next year, right? Okay? And, and, and so, but let me say this. At least as a hunter, okay, as a hunter, God gave us these animals. I mean, uh, he gave us these as resources. We harvest these things. We harvest the meat. We harvest the skins. There's things that you do with these animals that, that bring about the greater good and help control the population and all that stuff. But listen, here's the deal. There is nothing good that the devil wants to do with you. He wants to distract you from God. He wants to, he wants to divert you from God's will and from God's plan. And so, uh, so we have to understand what his goal is. Because he is like a lion that is hunting a prey, his goal is to deceive us. And in his deception, he can strike. Remember, that's why Paul says... Be careful not to give the devil an opportunity. That's what he's talking about. Before long, we begin to buy into the, a destructive way of thinking, a destructive way of living, when we be, 
begin to buy into the deceptions of the enemy of God. Now, I want to share with you a few of these, and these are not going to be on the, on the board, so if you want to take, uh, take these down, you're welcome to. But I want to share with you a few of these deceptions I've heard over the years. Well, I can make a long list. I'll just share three or four with you. Number one, uh, one of these deceptions that I've heard over the years is that the only thing that matters is my happiness. See, if the devil can deceive you, then he's going to deceive you into believing that all that matters is whether or not you are happy. So, so you know what you do when you believe that? You start pursuing your own happiness. You start pursuing your own desires, including your fleshly desires and your material desires that God may not have called you to. And so you, instead of pursuing, hey, God, what is your plan? What makes you happy? Well, why did you create me, God? Tell me what I need to do to fulfill my purpose on this earth. We are just pursuing me. It's all about me. It's all about me. And it's all about me. And see, that, that is the danger. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that there's a, a, a way that seems right unto man, but the end, it leads to death. There's a, it seems right. It feels good. Hey, you know, I'm so happy. I'm so happy with this. I'm so happy with that. Well, great. I'm glad that you're happy. Is God happy? Because the goal is that we would be happy as we make God happy, not that we're happy as we run away from God's calling in our lives. Another, another lie that I've heard, another deception that we hear a lot and I've heard over the years is that love is a feeling. You know, we begin believing that love is, is a feeling. It's just an emotion. You know what that gets us? That gets us to a way of thinking where we think, well, love is something that I fall into and I fall out of. It's kind of an accidental thing, you know, and it's all about the way that I feel. And, and we think that, that all of our relationships and our marriages should reflect whatever the romantic comedy of the day is or some movie that we thought was sweet. But here's the deal. Love is a choice. Real love is a choice and it is a commitment. God chose to love us. He is the very definition of love. He is committed to loving us. Listen, love is not always roses and chocolates, is it? It's not always Valentine's Day. Sometimes love is pulling back somebody's hair while they vomit because they're sick and you're trying to care for them. Sometimes, sometimes uh, love, guys, is tuning into what your wife or your children are trying to say and Connecting with them as they're trying to connect with you when all you really want to do is decompress and relax. Or the, the one thing you've been waiting for all week is this one ball game. And right when it comes on or right when it gets really kind of a hectic on, in the ball game, they want to talk about something, you know, that's going to take time. Sometimes love is setting those things aside and tuning in even though it's difficult and even though it's hard. Love is a choice. The enemy of God, though, will deceive us in thinking that love is a feeling, but love is uh, something. It can be hard and it can be messy. The enemy will tell you that you're all alone. The enemy will say, hey, no, no one, there's no one out there who can relate to you. He'll tell you, there's no one out there that really wants to listen to you. Nobody really cares. That's the enemy wanting to isolate you for his own purpose. 
He doesn't want you to think that there's any connection out there for you with God or the people of God, people that will love you and direct you towards, uh, towards uh, God. He, he will tell you that you're all alone. See, listen, Paul's not telling us that we should be perfect. He's talking to believers here, but he's not telling believers, hey, you've got to be perfect. No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, hey, because I love you and because God loves you, he wants you to understand that if you are not careful with how you live and what you do and how you love and what you think about all of these big picture issues, that you can hurt yourself or you can hurt someone else. Be careful. You know, when we're in parking lots, well, with my children all the time, we're always telling them, now, now don't run out into the road right there, you know, Christian. Now, Caleb, watch. No, stop. Let's look both ways. Okay, we're always telling them that. They're, kind of, they're getting that. They're understanding that. But they're, every once in a while, you know that you can tell, you know, they dart out of the door and they're not thinking about that road. And we're going, stop, stop, stop. Wait, 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 wait. Wait till we get there, <laughs> you know. And, and here's the thing. We don't tell them that because we don't think that they might not trip. They're going to trip. They're going to scrape their knee. They're going to, they're going to, you know, get skinned up, get hurt. They may fall in the pool at some point like I did. But, but, but here's the thing. If they're not careful, mom and dad, see, we're not trying to keep them from, from tripping. We're trying to keep them from getting hit by a car, which is going to hurt a lot worse. Amen? Right? That's what mom and dad are trying to do. And that's what, that's what God, that's why God has put this on Paul's heart, because he's telling us to be aware. See, here's the thing. Just, just as there is an enemy out there to hurt you, there is a God who loves you. And if you'll trust him, if you'll listen for his voice, he will guide you and he will guard you. So be aware. But I also think it means, walk carefully, I believe it means to be wise. Paul says, to not as unwise people, but as wise. Okay, not as the unwise, or as scripture would call the unwise, the foolish. There's been whole books, the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes that were dedicated to drawing a distinction between godly wisdom and the foolishness of man. And so uh, Paul says part of walking carefully, part of um, being aware is to be wise. Don't be foolish. When I was in junior high school, I had a friend over to my house. We were probably about the ninth grade, and, and it was not... July was probably maybe about this time of year, but uh, he and I had some fireworks left over and, and from our fireworks celebration when, you know, maybe in the 4th of July, but we had this whole bag. We had uh, mostly bottle rockets and firecrackers and, and we were sitting there and we were halfway watching TV and, and, you know, we were kind of talking, you know, teenagers, we did, you know, they did like four or five things at one time. And so we're talking and we're watching a little TV and we're going through our bag and we're, you know, trying to see what we have because, you know, we're trying to decide how we're going to, you know, ignite all these explosions. And so, uh, so at some point, one of us had some little device that, uh, that, that you would use to, to light uh, a firecracker or something with that provided sparks. And so we were like messing with it, watching the sparks. And, and somewhere in there, one of those sparks dropped down in one of those bags. And it happened. 
pop, 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 and we hit the deck. Both of us hit the deck. We were okay. It was fine. Everything was okay. Now, the comforter on, on the bed was not okay. Uh, it had some holes in it. It was, it was ruined. But we learned a very good lesson that day. You, I don't have to tell you the lessons that, that we learned, do I? I mean, we, we learned, number one, uh, you know, not to have the fireworks next to things that cause sparks, okay? Uh, we learned that that's very dangerous and that it was stupid. We learned that that was very foolish for us to do. We learned a very important lesson. You would think that I would have already have known that because... Uh, because I had a cousin that when he was younger was shooting some ball rockets one day, lighting them and throwing them up in the air. And he wasn't paying a whole lot of attention to the gas can that was behind him. And you know how that ended, right? Now he's okay today. He's okay today. He doesn't have any lasting effects from it. But I will tell you that it was real scary at the time. It was real scary. It's a funny story that we, we joke about today. But, but therefore, for, for a little while, they weren't really sure if he's going to live. Because he, he was engulfed in the fireball, okay? So we, but why? Because he did something stupid. It was foolish. Praise God he learned from it. He doesn't do that anymore, right? But, but we see how dangerous it is sometimes when we do things that are unwise. We have to be careful to be wise, to walk in wisdom. Listen, one thing you have to understand is that apart from God, none of us are wise. Apart from God, we, we, we are not wise. There's a, a, a way that seems right to man, but the end leads to death. And so just because it seems right and it sounds good, you know, does not mean that it is what God wants for our lives. And so, you know, we think about that. You think about, well, well unbelievers, you know, obviously unbelievers are not going to walk in wisdom because they don't, they don't have a connection with God. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. They don't have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them, offering to them wisdom, offering to them direction, offering to, uh, to, to guide them and to guard them in their lives. So unbelievers, they kind of have an excuse in a sense. It's logically, I mean, it makes sense that they're not walking in wisdom. But why is it that believers in Christ do not walk in wisdom as much as they should. Why is it the believers in Christ are not paying attention to, uh, to, uh, to, to what is wise in God's eyes and what makes sense in, the, uh, in, in God's worldview instead of always walking according to human wisdom? Now, we don't all do that, but some of us do. Some of us do. So I, 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 I do have these on the board here. I want to share with you some things, some big picture, uh, just descriptions of what it means to walk in foolishness, you know, because he says, be wise, don't walk as unwise people. So that brings the question about, the, you know, the question of, well, what does it look like to walk unwise or to walk in foolishness? And so I, I want to give you a few examples. Number one, uh, foolish people live like there is no God. Okay? A foolish person is a person who lives like there is no God. Psalm 14 says that the fool says in his heart that God does not exist. You know, obviously atheism is a growing issue in our country today. Um, it has grown, the atheist population has grown. But you know, statistically, 
atheist people, self-proclaiming atheist people, only account for about 3% of our population. So although atheism is a growing issue in our population, it, it really by far is not one of the greatest uh, hindrances to the kingdom of Christ in the United States. What is, what is one of the greatest hindrances to the work of God in the United States uh, has to do with people who say they are Christians, that say they love and say they worship Jesus, who identify with Christianity for whatever reason, but then their lives do not reflect the faith that they claim to have. And so that is a tremendous problem. It's a tremendous problem when people who say, I love Jesus, I believe in, in the Bible, I believe the light of God's word and the wisdom of God's word, yet, yet in my life I do not ever really consult the wisdom of God's word and I make decisions based on cultural wisdom or worldly wisdom or man's wisdom, but I don't make decisions that are grounded in God's wisdom. Another thing that foolish and unwise people do is they live like there are no absolutes. Well, there's no absolute. I mean, there's no, no real sin. There's no real truth. Truth is relative. Sin is relative. I've heard a lot of people say over the year, truth and sin is relative to a person's perception. But that's really not the truth. I mean, a person's perception of truth is relative to their perception. And I'm not trying to confuse you here, but here's the deal. Regardless of a perception, truth is truth. Sin is sin. Okay? Truth is truth. Whether you believe it or not, what is true is true. Two plus two equals four. It always equals four. And it does not matter how much you really want or you think or it makes sense that 2 plus 2 equals 5 or 6. It does not matter if it offends you that 2 plus 2 equals 4. It does not matter if it makes you feel good to think 2 plus 2 equals 7, 8, or 9. The truth is, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what you perceive, the truth is 2 plus 2 always, always, always going to equal 4. That's because regardless of perception, there is a truth, and real truth is absolute all the time. See, foolish people, they also they look, they live like, like they are the exception. Oh, that, that'll never happen to me. That, that'll never, that, that would, I, I would never go that far. I would never do that. Folks, listen, don't, don't wait until you're faced with temptation to decide how you're going to deal with that. Don't, don't wait until you're faced with, with temptation to decide whether or not you're going to participate in that. You've got you to know your standards ahead of time. And whether you are a Christian or not a Christian, whatever it is that you think can't happen to you, let me tell you something. It can. It can. And it, and it just might. If you don't walk in wisdom, you've got to be careful. Foolish people, they also live like their decisions don't have an impact. They live like their decisions don't have an impact. You know, we think, well, well, hey, this is right for me. This is right. This works for me. This makes sense to me. This is what I want right now. Hey, nobody, I'm, I'm accountable to nobody but me. Well, that's not really true because you're accountable to God. 
But even if you were not accountable to God, there are other people. And unless you have lived in isolation your entire life and nobody has ever known you, then anything, all your decisions, not only affect you, but they affect those that are around you. They impact those that you love, the people that are the closest to you. And so, uh, you know, a, a lot of times because, because we think our decisions don't have an impact, a lot of times foolish people, as part of that, they, 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 under, they overestimate the amount of time they have on this earth. And they always think, well, you know, I'll get to it. That God thing, I'll get to it. Right before I die, I'll say, save me, Lord, I repent of my sins. Well, guess what? You might not get that chance. Okay, you might not get that chance. Not everybody gets that chance. Listen, they think, well, I'll get to it. I've got a long life. Well, you don't know how long you have. God does, and he has a plan for you. And part of that plan is to walk in wisdom, to be aware, and to be wise. But the last thing I want to encourage you this morning is to be willing. To be willing. He says, you need to do this. Verse 16, making the most of the time because the days are evil. You gotta be willing to take the wisdom that God gives to you gotta be willing to receive it, and you've gotta be willing to accept it, and you've gotta be willing to obey it. So I receive it, I hear it, I don't just acknowledge it, but I accept it, and because I accept it, I'm going to apply it to my life. You gotta be be wise. Make the most out of your time. Listen, we live in a world and in a day that is dominated with the darkness of the enemy. Many people in this culture and in this world are deceived today more so maybe than, than ever before. And, and at least in recent history, we live in a time of deception. Okay? We don't have a lot of time to waste. We need to make the most of every opportunity that the Lord gives us make the most of our time. And, and, and here's what I mean by that. And this is just for real life application, okay? Don't get so caught up doing what you think the right things are that you neglect to do the right thing, okay? Because you can do good things and completely miss the best thing. One of my former pastors once said, it stuck with me, he says, Sometimes in life, the things that you do that is good can become the enemy of what is best. Sometimes in life, the things that you do that are good can be the enemy of what is best. If you're not careful, you're allowed the things that are good in life to so fill your time that the best things can go undone. You know, it's, it's real easy. People that are involved in ministry, people, whether they volunteer or they work vocationally, involved in ministry... It's real easy to get so wrapped up in the good things of ministry that a family goes neglected and uncared for and the needs at home, the best things, the things that God has called you to first and foremost at home and in your marriage and with your children and those key relationships in your life go un unmet and, and, um, and they go undone. So they're, they're, you can get wrapped up in doing good things. Hey, I'm at church. But neglecting the best things, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Listen, at the same time, you know, people say, well, I, you know, well, we don't ever come to church because we're just going to spend time with our family. Okay? Now, some of you may have a, 
a, a, a parent, senior adult parent at home and they require 24-hour care, you just cannot. That's just the place that God has put you in life and you can't break away from that. Some of us have health issues. Listen, we get that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who are, who are, who are, who are healthy and able and they just, they just don't really participate in the things of God and their excuse is, well, we, we need our family time. Well, listen, that's a good thing. That's what you do need your family time. Amen. That's part of God's call in your life. But if, if at some point your family time does not involve the worship of the Lord, if it doesn't involve prayer, if it doesn't involve some Bible study, it doesn't involve being involved in a church somewhere, at least part of the time, listen, it might be good, but it's not what's best. Make the most of your time. You need to be be aware and you need to be wise and you need to be willing. And the question is, are you willing to trust God wherever you are in your walk with Him? Are you willing to trust Him? Are you ready to walk in the wisdom and in the light of His Word? Are you ready to walk carefully and circumspectly through life as you seek to glorify Him? Let's pray.